name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are so glad you've joined us this morning. This week, we are starting a brand new series called Breaking Bad. And um, no, we're not going to talk about methamphetamines or anything like that. We, the, uh, the, the show happens to be uh, a lot about that. But we are talking about Breaking Bad, insert something here. And so today, we are going to be talking about Breaking Bad Thinking. And... Uh, uh, if you are not familiar with what Breaking Bad is, it's another one of those TV shows that everybody is watching. Our social media is filled with it. Uh, Twitter, our Facebook accounts, it's what's happening at the water cooler at work. It's the things that are whispered over the cubicle walls and the text messages that are sent on Monday morning say, Did you see Breaking Bad? Of course, the show is now over, but this story has drawn in so many people and I think one of the keys to the story is what, uh, what is the commonality we all see in it. Some people are there for the violence. Some people like the complications, the relationships, and the drama. Uh, others are like me, and they just enjoy the story of Walt, the human factor of Walt, and uh, watching what happens with Walt. And I think what, what happens with Walt is where we're going to land today, what we're going to talk about today, because uh, here's, here's the story in a nutshell, okay? Walter White, he's a chemistry teacher. He's got a family, he's got two kids, well he's got one and one on the way when the story begins, and he finds out he has a lung cancer that is terminal. He goes to his doctors, the doctors can't treat him, he hears of another doctor that can treat him in a way that uh, is very aggressive, but this doctor is not in his insurance network, and so the insurance company will not pay for it. So Walter and his family are left to figure out a way to get the money to pay for his treatment, Okay. Through this process, he connects with some friends, some old business partners that say, we'll take care of everything and we'll pay for you. But in his pride and in his arrogance, he doesn't want to take a dime from them. And he remembers one of the kids in his school used to be a drug dealer. His name is Jesse. And he connects with Jesse and finds out how much money can be made by selling drugs. And since he's a chemistry teacher, he decides to, to begin producing meth. And through that process, we see one decision after another that all started in him with just a thought. A thought took him to a place where he began to produce the meth. Instead of taking the money from his friends, which he could have done, a thought that I can do this on my own. I have a way to do this. I can quit anytime I want. I'll stop after I've made enough money to cover my treatments these kind of things. And so the story arc follows the downward spiral as he continues to tell himself he can quit. Uh, you can see through his struggles of dealing with the drug dealers that he continues to tell himself that he'll eventually, uh, and it eventually leads to a dramatic change in his life. And so he goes from being a mild-mannered chemistry teacher to being a murderous kingpin drug lord known as Heisenberg, okay? And uh, throughout his conversion, he loses his job, his dignity, his marriage, his children, and his friends, and believing the lies he's told himself to create this alter ego, he's lost everything dear to him. He's lost his true self. He's lost his identity. He's lost everything he loves. He's no longer Walter White. He's now Heisenberg. And all of that started with a thought that he didn't kick out, a thought that he didn't deal with properly. So today I want to examine the power of our thoughts and Proverbs. By the way, if you're here today and you need a Bible, we'd like to give you one. If you just hold up your hand and let us know that you need one, we will. I have hosts that have them. They'll put one in your hands. They are free. You can take them home, keep them forever. Write your name on the cover. It is for you. So if you'll just put your hand up and let us know you need one. But we're going to be in Proverbs, and uh, it'll also be up here on the screen. But it says, uh, Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. 
I really like the way, and this is great, and we've talked about this before, we visited this when we did the Gods at War series, we talked about, all right, your heart is the battleground for the throne, uh, for where God's war there, right, and we talked about that, and, that, and that's great, you need to guard your heart, but where you guard your heart starts in your mind, and so I like the verse, uh, the same verse in the New Century translation a little better, it says like this, be careful what you think, because your thoughts ruin your life. Same verse, just translated a little differently. Be careful what you think, because your thoughts run your life. So maybe you're with us today and you're not yet a believer, and so maybe you want to hear it spoken by someone else. Let me say it another way. A Chinese philosopher named Lao Tzu said, Watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions. They become habit. Watch your habits. They become character. And watch your character it becomes your destiny. So think about that for a moment. Just think about it. Your thoughts become your destiny. Your thoughts, how you think today, what you allow to be entertained in your head and roll around your noggin determines who you are tomorrow. A thought can be planted by a TV show, a song, a billboard, a radio ad, a friend, a book you read, however it gets planted, a thought that goes uncontested, good or bad, is like a seed planted in the ground. It will produce life after itself, right? It will produce some kind of life. It'll spring up a flower. It'll have a blossom. It'll have a fruit or a vegetable, whatever it is. And each one of those blossoms, there are seeds in it. And those seeds fall to the ground and they get planted and they bring up more after its own kind. So a bad thought that you allow to stay there or a good thought, either one, produces life after itself. So you can see it's a spiral. It continues to go down if you don't deal with it immediately. If you don't remove that thought, it gets planted, produces fruit, and then it gives more seeds that get planted, produce more fruit, and the cycle continues downward, just like Walter White. And this is exactly what we see in his life from Breaking Bad. He allows one thought to be planted, a thought that he didn't uproot with logic, morals, or spirituality. He allowed it to linger until it took root, and then it produced fruit, which led to more seeds or thoughts that led to more changes in his life and led him to a dark place, a place in his life where thoughts far, the bad thoughts far outnumber the good thoughts. His metamorphosis was complete, all starting with a thought. So why are we talking about this today? Because you and I are just like Walt. We're no different than him, right? <clears throat> There's the common thread. We have all had thoughts that when they entered our heads, we were taken back and said, whoa, hey, I can't let that hang around. Either because it's, you push it out, refusing it because of your moral upbringing or because it's illegal or maybe it counters, counteracts with your faith and what you believe. And so you push it out. You're like, no, that can't stay. <clears throat> Whatever reason, you kick it out. But what happens when we don't? I know for me that if I get a Krispy Kreme donut on the brain and if I don't push that idea out, I will immediately find myself, well, maybe not immediately, but I will eventually find myself with a Krispy Kreme in my hand and one in my mouth and one on a plate and another in the microwave. You understand the cycle? Okay. <laughs> when we allow thoughts to stay around that we shouldn't, we open our lives to it and begin pursuing it, just like I would a Krispy Kreme. So I constantly push that idea out. And some people wind up with their hands and faces covered in chocolate and glaze and stomachs bulging so they have to unbutton their pants and they're lying on the floor of a donut shop. Oh, not you guys? Not you guys? All right. And they sit there in their shame wondering how they got there in the first place, right? 
<laughs> and every action, if we were willing to be honest, can all be traced back to a thought. I know it sounds like I'm just saying that over and over again, but I want you to hear it. I want you to get it. It all starts here. <clears throat> a thought we allowed to linger, a thought we were given like a stray cat. It doesn't belong to us, but we pet it, we feed it, we play with it, we call it George, and then we take it home, never having to intended, had it intended to do that in the first place. Now, maybe that place uh, you wind up isn't the donut shop or taking the stray, but we all have this scenario in our lives where we get someplace we have no idea how we got there. And our thoughts are so important to our future that the wisest man in the world told us to guard our hearts, right? So how does the process start? How does it all work? It starts up here. You've heard it. I, maybe you've heard I should say it this way, that when a thought enters your brain and you allow it to hang out for a while, it gets planted. It produces fruit. That means it goes down into your heart, right? starts becoming a part of who you are. And then once something is in your heart, it becomes part of what you do. So it's head, heart, and hands, right? And that's the process, and that's how it goes. And that's why Solomon said that we have to guard our heart. Thoughts will always try to take root there in your mind first before it gets down to your heart. And the enemy knows that we're all very vulnerable to this. That's why he uses it. He'll plant thoughts there all the time. And he'll use it to do it for, he'll use other people. He'll use demonic influence in our culture and our society. He'll use TV shows to do it. He'll do anything that he can to put those thoughts in your head because he knows that if he can get a thought to take root in your head, that your heart is next. And where does, what does the enemy want? Your heart. He wants what you worship. So we must be, guard ourselves vigilantly. And Paul encouraged us in 2 Corinthians 10.5. He says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought. Take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? It means every thought that enters your mind you need to size it up and say, is this in line with the gospel? Is this in line with Jesus? What does that mean? Well, this, we, we talked about it for the last three weeks. It's love God, love people, serve the world. Does it line up with that? Am I loving God in this? Am I loving people in this? If it lines up with those things, then it can probably stay. But if it doesn't, then it's one of those things that you need to kick out. In my mind, I imagine that I have an army awaiting every thought to test it, Right? As a believer, my first thing is to test it against the knowledge of God, and then against my morals, and then against the law. And we know that, that by the way, when I mentioned that love, that that's agape love, right? That's that unconditional love we're supposed to have for people. That's that unconditional love that we always fail to have, but we are striving to do. But otherwise, we are encouraged to take every thought captive to stop it from advancing on our hearts and to force it into obedience to Christ. But if it gets to our heart, the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Right? So is he. In other words, whatever thoughts get from your head to your heart determines who you become, determines what you do. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll do it this way. Maybe you need a better example. Uh, JJ, do you mind bringing those chairs up here for me? I see these examples from Jesus where Jesus will do from time to time. He will do, he'll teach. And people are listening, but they want him to do a miracle. They want him to do something something amazing, and so they're just, they're just not hearing. So I'm going to do a demonstration for you. Um, thank you, sir. <clears throat> um, uh, I have a question. Who, who here enjoys chocolate chip cookies? Anybody enjoy chocolate chip cookies? Kyle, like, you like chocolate? And who, who back here? Oh, Kyle. Both of you Kyles. Kyles, come on up here. Would you guys mind coming up here? All right, come on up here and join us up on stage. That would be great. 
And Kyle, you can sit here, and Kyle, you can sit here. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate you coming up and joining me. <clears throat> All right. So let me say this before I begin this demonstration. The mind doesn't know the difference. You okay? Okay. You okay? You uh, comfortable? Oh, yeah. All right. And sleep all the way down? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined, okay? And because of that, I'm going to demonstrate that to you. It doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. That means that a lie can be believed. That means that you can live your life out of a lie, from a point of a lie. You can live your whole life. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Are you like chocolate chip cookies? Uh, yep. Now, on a scale of 1 to 10, Kyle and Kyle, <laughs> 1 being, eh, I'm okay with it, and 10 being, i got to have a chocolate chip cookie right now, where are you, Kyle? 3. You're a 3. Kyle? I'm at like a 2. You're at like a 2. Okay. What if I told you that the chocolate chip cookies were like really, really warm and gooey, like the chocolate was like melting and the, you can smell it, right? It's really great. <laughs> Just came out of the oven. And I might even sit a glass of milk right next to it and say, that's for you, bro. I'm sold. Where are you now on a scale? You're at a 10 right now. Where are you, Kyle? A six. You're a six. Okay. Would it make it better if I gave you two of said chocolate chip cookies? Where are you at now on a scale of one to 10? Eight. You're an eight. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. So here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like for both of you to hold out your hands just like this, please. I'm going to take a cookie and I'm going to just, no, just one hand will be fine. Yeah, you can, you can put that one down. Thanks. I'm going to put a chocolate chip cookie right here in your hand. Chocolate chip cookie here in your hand. Got one? All right. Now, what would make this chocolate chip cookie less desirable to you? Right now you're at a 10. You got to have it. If you had that warm chocolate chip cookie in your hand with the milk, you'd stuff it in your mouth, right? What would make that less desirable to you? Uh, the fact you just touched my hand. Oh, the fact that I just touched your hand. <laughs> All right. so, so I guess I just touched your cookie. Where are you at on a scale of one to 10 now? Still like a nine and a half. Still like a nine and a half. Okay. And you right over here. Uh, what, could I, what kind of ingredient could I put in there like raisins or walnuts? What, what, what is something that you absolutely do not like in a cookie? M&M's. M&M's. So I'm going to put M&M's in that cookie, okay? Now, it's still warm. It's still gooey. Now it's got some M&M's in it. Where are you on a scale of one to ten with that cookie? Uh, like a four. You're like a four. All right. Oh, and so what kind of ingredients don't you like? What's your least favorite cookie? I don't think there is one. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> what if I were to put barbecue sauce on it then? How do you feel now about this chocolate chip cookie? Yeah, I might throw it at your head. You might throw it at me. Okay. So on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you? With barbecue sauce? With, with the barbecue sauce on the chocolate chip cookie, yeah? I don't even want it. You don't even want it. So you're at a 1. You're, you don't even want it. And you're at a what? 4. You're at a 4. Okay. Now, folks, I'm going to take them on a dramatic decline here, okay? Are you ready for this? Here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm actually going to reach in, and I'm going to remove an infected chest hair, and uh, I'm going to place that right on your cookie. Infected? Infected chest hair. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a little gooey on the ends. And I've just... Wait, wait. Keep your, keep your... And I've just put that on your chocolate chip cookie, okay? Now, you can go on a negative scale here, negative 1 to negative 10. Where are you right now with this cookie, Kyle? <laughs> it's just a hair. You could still eat it. A one. You're a negative. Oh no! Oh no! No. We didn't, here, let me, let me make sure you've got some extras here, okay? And where are you at? So you're on a negative one. Sure. All right. And where are you at? Depends on what it's infected with. <laughs> it's just a regular infected hair, blackhead, oils, you know, bodily stuff. So it won't hurt me. Won't hurt you. 
What I don't know doesn't hurt. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I didn't take him down enough. Uh, uh, some ingredients, please. Some, some ingredients that would probably make them. Some, anybody? Oh, okay. I, what was that? We're going to call it feces, okay? We're going to call it feces. Um, I'm going to take some warm feces, and I'm just going to kind of rub it there around that cookie. Right around that cookie there, okay? So, Kyle, where are you now on a scale of 1 to 10? This cookie exists in your hand, right? Where are you on a scale of 1 to 10? We've got infected hair on there, M&Ms. I know you hate that. And some warm, like, fresh. It's, it's a little runny feces. <laughs> um. <laughs> can we still use negatives? Yeah, you can use negatives. Oh, we, like a negative 10. You're, she's a negative 10 right now. Where are you at on this negative scale at this point? Uh, pretty much with, right there with her. You're a negative 10. All right, I'm going to make it just a little, little worse. And, um, hot no, hot mayonnaise would not be for, for you guys. I don't think that would bother you. That would just bother me. There's <laughs> nothing but... but <laughs> That's the bane in my existence is hot mayo. <laughs> hey, you focus on your cookie, okay? Focus on your cookie. All right. Well, here, here's what I want you to do. With this, with this cookie dripping with the, the oozing stuff, and, and I'm also going to just... Are you okay over here? All right. I want you to take that cookie that's in your hand, and I want you to bring it up close to your face. Just like... Come on. Like right here, dude. Just like right there. No, no, no. Not there. Like right there. No... Come on, don't let it fall off. It's like dripping. All right. Now, I want you to just imagine what that feels like in your hand. Imagine the smells that they would be smelling right now. The, the feces, a poop-covered cookie. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Just keep it. No, come on. Just keep it close to your face. Don't move. Don't move. All right. All right. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want, yeah, yeah, that's what I want you to do. I actually want you to take a bite of the cookie. Just, just here. Just, just yeah, take a bite of the cookie. Take, take a bite. Put it in your mouth. Take a bite. Open up. Take a bite. Uh, just take a bite. And imagine how that feces feels when you, take, when you bite through. Don't, don't, don't chew. Don't chew. Just hold it. Just hold it in your mouth. Take a bite. Take a bite through it. Now I want you to just hold it in your mouth. And you can imagine how that feels. That's, that smell is still there. And you can feel it coursing, kind of like going down your throat as you breathe, right? Is that in your mouth? How does that feel? Pretty good. How do you feel physically right now, Kyle? Awful. She feels awful. How about you? Yeah. Eh. All right. You can go ahead and chew up your cookie or spit it out. Do whatever you want to. Ladies and gentlemen, give them a round of applause. Thank you very much, guys. Okay, so, so what's happening? What's ha- yeah, thanks, JJ. Here. So what's happening just now? There's no cookie, right? There's no cookie in their hands, and yet they're having a physical response. Kyle's getting sick to her stomach. I've seen people vomit doing this experience before, Right? I've seen people vomit with this, and I guarantee you neither of these guys are going to run to a chocolate chip cookie anytime soon, okay? So what's happening? Their mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. They probably would be feeling, reacting, and behaving the same exact way, maybe even more dramatically so, if these cookies were real. But your mind can reproduce stimuli. Your mind can control how you behave, with just a thought. It's just a thought that that cookie existed. Just a thought that that cookie was near their face. Just a thought that that cookie was in their mouth made them sick to their stomachs. If the price is right, I would <laughs> That's why I wasn't offering any money, man. That's why I was not offering any money. But all they had to do was think. Their noses, could you guys smell that at all? 
Kyle, you back here, you said you could smell that. You could smell that. So, yeah, right, at running. Okay. So the point is, is your, your body is, your mind is an amazing thing. It can recreate smells. It can recreate the idea that that cookie was actually there. Why am I telling you all of this? Because what you believe is important. The thoughts you will entertain and the thoughts that you allow to stay in your mind are important. If they can respond this way to an imaginary cookie, can't you respond the same way to a lie? Absolutely. And the enemy, the devil, knows this about you. Knows that a thought will take you to a place that can destroy your life. It's all a deception. There's no cookie. But none of the responses, good or bad, were from actual truths. It was from thoughts, and thoughts controlled their behavior. If your mind can't tell, uh, if your mind can't tell, imagine the damage that a single negative thought can accomplish in your life. So many of us have, have things about ourselves that are simply not true. I've been told things about ourselves that are simply not true. We've told ourselves that we will never have that. We'll never be able to do that. We could never love that. We could never believe that. We could never, we could never, we could never, we could never. That's what we tell ourselves, right? And so we live in this little imaginary box, these walls that don't really exist that we create ourselves. Some of us, it it, it wasn't us that did it, that put those walls there, that put the box around us. Some of us had other people do that for us. Maybe we aren't to blame for this kind of thinking. Maybe we've been told the very things that keep us bound. Maybe we had abusive parents that constantly spoke down to us. Maybe it was a brother, a sister, a spouse, a boyfriend, or a girlfriend. Someone in your life told you you would never amount to anything. Someone told you that you were worth nothing. Unlovable. Ugly. Shameful. Too skinny. Too fat. Too dumb to ever function in society. Worth nothing to anyone, so you might as well end it all. Or just this one time won't hurt. You won't get addicted. These are all lies. Deceptions that are fed to you by people themselves that are broken and hurting, just like you. Maybe no one ever said anything to make you think less of yourself, but maybe there are actions that made you feel this way. Maybe your father was absent, and so you assume he didn't love you. Maybe your mom was an addict, so you believe that you'll be one too, that you have no hope to ever live a life free from addiction. Maybe you were raped as a child or an adult by a loved one and it has caused you to fear love and relationships, touch and intimacy. Maybe you were laughed at by peers because of a mistake you made when you were young and to this day you still live from that point, from that mistake. You live a way that compensates or you believe that what they said about you. Maybe you've been cheated on in a marriage relationship and that pain has been carried over into every relationship you've had since then. You think that people are not trustworthy, that they're out to hurt you, so you abuse your current spouse or your current relationships. I don't know where you fit into these categories, but I want to tell you something that we are all living from a lie somewhere in our lives. And I I didn't come just to tell you bad news. There's good news, amen? We have good news, and that good news is in Jesus. Jesus gave us hope. Jesus gave us Hope. You know what hope means? It's happy expectation of good. In John 8, 31 through 32, Jesus is talking to disciples. 
These are people who believed in him. It even says that. It says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Set you free from what? Set you free from what? From the lies? From the things you've been told all your life? From the things you've told yourself? Or maybe the things you assume about yourself because of somebody else's actions? Notice who Jesus is talking to. These are disciples, people who, who believed in him. And he tells them that if they hold to his teaching, hold to his teaching, that means somebody will try to take it from you. Somebody or someone will try to take that truth from you. And they'll do that with a thought. They'll do that with a behavior. They'll do that with an action. It's like, a, it's like a, a football player. Imagine a football player trying to run down the field. He is trying to hold on to that football with all that he's got. And he's got to get down that field, right? But everybody on that field, on the other end of the team, not only wants to stop his forward motion, but they want him to fumble the ball. And Jesus said, if you just hold on to it, though, hold on to my teachings, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The next part is my favorite part, and that's that knowing the truth. Our lives are led around by deceptions, thoughts that are untrue about ourselves, about others, and about the world and the creator of it. We just have to hold on to what Jesus taught. And how do we know that? How do we know what Jesus taught? We've got to get in the Word. We've got to read. We've got to study our Bibles. You can't know when something is a lie unless you know the truth. The truth that we are loved, that God so loved the world, that's us, it's you, that's me, that he gave his only begotten son. God loves us. You are not unlovable. You are not shameful to him. You are clean because you are in Christ. The old you has passed away and you are a new creature in Christ who has been forgiven and set right. You are not ugly. You are God's creation. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he loves you just the way that you are. You are not hopeless. Because in Christ we have hope. Because we know that God is with us. And if God is with us, who can be against us? And in Christ we can do all things. Because he'll strengthen us. You can know love. Not everyone who loves you will hurt you. God loved you so much that he gave. And the love he gave will never hurt us, shame us, or cause us pain. You can know the love of a father. A father who has never left you nor forsaken you. That today, if you will embrace him, he will reveal to you that throughout your entire life, he has never left you nor forsaken you. I want to challenge you today. What is that lie in your life that you've been believing? Maybe you want to be so bold as to take your connection card and write it on the back and say, I've been believing this lie, but I don't want to believe it anymore. That this, somebody told me this about myself, and it's not true. But I've been living like it has been. I want to challenge you to allow the truth to replace the lies in your life. The Holy Spirit this past week revealed a lie to me. It happened right in the middle of Bible study with a bunch of these guys on Wednesday night. Revealed in my heart that because of my relationship with my biological father, that I had been projecting some things onto God, my heavenly Father, 
My expectations from him were that he would fail. Or that he didn't care. And that's crazy. But I saw a pattern of it and the Holy Spirit revealed it to me and I prayed and I repented and I said, God, forgive me for allowing those thoughts to be towards you. And that's what we have to do today. Acknowledge them. Acknowledge the lies that we've allowed to be in our life. To repent and ask God for grace. For forgiveness. And uproot that thought out of your life. That God will reveal his truth about you. Instead of what you've chosen to believe. What if we lived this way? What if we really did it? What would our world look like? How would we behave towards each other? If the lies that we had been believing were vanquished by the truth, will we not be more apt to love, more apt to give, more apt to serve? We wouldn't be reserved because the last time we were in a relationship, we got hurt, so every relationship is going to hurt us. Or because somebody who loved you hurt you, that means that you can't get close to anybody. Because if you get close to them, they're going to hurt you. Those are lies. What if we lived in a way that we were free? Free to love God. Free to love people. And free to serve others. What would our world look like? It would be amazing. Great things are intended for each of us. But we have to fight. We have to be found. You ready? Breaking bad thinking. I believe today that you can be free And I believe that you can know the truth and be set free by it. There are those of you today that have been bound by that. And I'm going to pray for you. We're going to have a time if you'd be willing to admit or confess, I've been living from a lie. We'll pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. But if that's you today, don't miss your opportunity to be free. Don't miss an opportunity to know Jesus. Because knowing Jesus means you will know the truth. And that truth can set you free. Some of you are here and you've been bound too long by your thoughts. And the enemy has you hemmed in on every side and he's had you bound there for too long. Every corner and everywhere you've turned, everything you've tried has failed. But Jesus will never fail you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your truth that vanquishes every bit of darkness in our lives. Every lie that the enemy would tell us. Every lie that we've learned, whether we chose to believe it or believed it inadvertently, Lord, I pray against those lies and I ask for your truth to be revealed in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd be in this room, that you would lead us, that you would convict us, that you would guide us into your truth, that you would guide us into knowing the truth about ourselves. As we go home this week, as we open our Bibles I pray that you would guide us in our studies, that you would guide us into truth and set us free. Jesus, you paid a heavy price for us to know freedom. You paid the price so that we didn't have to walk in darkness, so that we didn't have to believe lies. And I ask that you would set us free in your truth by your love. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, 
If you're here today and you've never made that confession of salvation, that Jesus, you are Lord, and you'd like to do that today, would you let us know that you're here? Would you? Nobody's looking around, every head bowed, every eyes closed. Would you just raise your hand and let us know that you're here so that I can know and I can pray for you? Don't miss an opportunity to be free. You're tired. You're exhausted. It's difficult fighting against God. Maybe you've run from Him all your life. You've run from His love. You say, well, I can't live that way, Aaron. I'm I'm not built that way. I'm not geared that way. I'm not geared to be a Christian. I know Christians. They've hurt me. But not all Christians will hurt you. Just because you haven't been able to accomplish something or do something in the past doesn't mean that you can't today. That you can't change that thinking. And enter into a relationship with your Father your heavenly Father who loves you, to be free from your sins, to be clean and forgiven. I'm going to give you one more opportunity. If that's you today, if you want to know that love, if you want to accept Christ in your life, would you raise your hand and let us know that you're here? Father, I thank you for these hands that were raised in this place today. Lord, in a moment of truth, a moment of honesty with themselves and with you, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would flood their hearts with your light, with your love. I pray that each day as they get up, that they're ready to live for you, Lord, that you would lead them and show them how to do it. Lord, I pray that you would help them to connect in the church and to connect with other believers and to continue to grow and walk out this life. Walk out a life of freedom. Walk out a life in the truth and knowing you. Teach them how to pray. How to talk to you just openly like I'm talking to you now. Wash them clean. Forgive them of their sins. And lead them into relationship with you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you're here today and you need prayer for anything, maybe you felt like, Aaron, if I put my hand up, there's much more to it. I need to speak with somebody. I need to pray with somebody. You don't understand that the lies that I've been living from are deep. If you need to talk to somebody, if you need to pray with somebody, we have people that are standing in the back of the room that have badges that look like this. I want to give you just a moment to receive prayer, and then we'll close the service.